Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is October 20th, 2021, and our first story, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin announces a plan to exit the Democratic Party and become an independent if he doesn't get his way. And he's right. He wants the spending bill cut in half, and that's probably still too much. Inflation is through the roof. The economy is in serious trouble. In our next story, Dave Chappelle may be losing this culture war battle as the Netflix CEO walks back his defense of him, saying, I should have been more more careful about our employees who are hurting. Apparently, a thousand employees are threatening to protest at Netflix, and they're beginning to cave. And in our last story, the Democrats and the January 6th commission and the Republicans, who are basically Democrats, have voted to seek criminal prosecution of Steve Bannon. Is this the end game, my friends? We're getting into some dark times. Now, if you like the show, please leave us a good review and give us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Major news. Senator Joe Manchin announces he has a plan to exit the Democratic Party and register himself as an independent in the Senate, which, to be completely honest, means very little. But this is a guy from West Virginia. And as I now live in West Virginia, I've talked to many people about their feelings on Manchin, and they all have said he's done. If things go the way they're going, having a Democrat senator makes no sense for the second biggest Trump supporting state in the union. And while he's still got several years left as senator, people are saying they're not going to vote for him again. Now, what happens if he runs again as an independent? What happens if he leaves the party? I believe this will have a significant impact, can help pull this country back together a little bit, but probably won't be as big as many people are hoping. It's not like he's going to immediately just start caucusing with Republicans and voting on whatever they want, but it is a shift away from the Democratic Party, and it is a major national statement. This would shift the Senate 50, 49, 2, I guess, or is it three? I don't know. Bernie Sanders is basically a Democrat, call him an independent, but he's not. This wouldn't necessarily mean the Republicans are in control and have power, but it certainly means the Democrats will have a lot harder time getting anything done. Right now, many people on the left, many Democrats are saying Manchin needs to vote to end the filibuster. He needs to get in line, but they also have Kirsten Cinema from Arizona. She may be a Democrat, but she's not falling in line with the party. So I don't know how big a move this will be, but let's talk about the reason behind the move. Joe Manchin says he wants the spending bill 3.5 trillion cut in half or else. And the reason why he says rising inflation, a hidden tax on the American people. And he's not wrong. 
The economy is in serious trouble and it's Biden's fault. And the American people think that six in 10 voters, or I should say six in 10 people polled. So everybody say inflation is Joe Biden's fault. His approval rating is in the gutter. His disapproval is skyrocketing. And one financial expert warns we're headed towards the biggest crash in world history. I don't know about all that. Maybe, maybe not. But I certainly hope y'all are paying attention because there are a lot of people who are not, who just believe everything's better than ever. The Democratic voter who for some reason thinks the economy is going well. That's right. The economy is doing so well that Joe Biden needs $3.5 trillion, not to mention the other spending bill, which I think is like $1.2 trillion. It's going to get worse. Barron's, the Wall Street Journal, many financial experts are saying it's going to get worse. CNBC's Jim Cramer apparently just said inflation is way worse than we realize. We had Max Kaiser on Timcast IRL a few months ago. He said real inflation is probably closer to 14%. And the reason they won't admit it is because then they'd have to increase Social Security and make a bunch of changes. So we'll just say 5.2, I guess, which is still really, really bad. And even at that number, it's reflecting what we saw back in 2008. And I think one of the biggest indicators of how bad things are going to get is the price of Bitcoin shattering all time highs, hitting like $67,000 per Bitcoin. Now, a lot of people just still believe it's a big scam. No, my friends, it is a digital decentralized store of value. And boy, there are a lot of people trying to escape the dollar. I wonder why so many financial institutions, millionaires and billionaires are touting Bitcoin. Do you think it's because they're betting on it to lose? No, they know the game and they're making the moves. And for some reason, the people who are naysayers always tend to be those who don't have great wealth. Of course, there's still some people, you know, Peter Schiff, who think Bitcoin's no good. And I'm not here to give anyone financial advice. I'm just saying the price is skyrocketing because people, among other reasons, but there's one big reason, inflation. The cost of beef, it's up like 17 or 18 percent. Sooner or later, people are going to realize holding on to U.S. dollars means losing value, losing purchasing power. That's what Manchin was talking about in an op-ed he published for the Wall Street Journal as to why he opposed the spending bill. And now he's standing up and saying he might actually leave the Democratic Party. Let's read the news and see what he has to say and then take a look at the economy because I got to tell you, Manchin is correct. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as an ad-free experience. You will be supporting our journalists who write all of our amazing news stories. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this video right now with all your friends, post it wherever you can. Let's get into that, ma- uh, let's get into that main story now. Mother Jones says, Scoop, Manchin tells associates he's considering leaving the Democratic Party and has an exit plan. He could pull the trigger if he doesn't get his way on the Build Back Better bill. Now, Mother Jones, of course, is a left-leaning biased source, but let's read. In recent days, Senator Joe Manchin has told associates that he's considering leaving the Democratic Party if President Joe Biden and Democrats on Capitol Hill do not agree to his demand to cut the size of the social infrastructure bill from $3.5 trillion to $1.75 trillion According to people who have heard Manchin discuss this, Manchin has said that if this were to happen, he would declare himself an American independent, and he has devised a detailed exit strategy. Manchin has been in the center of a wild rush of negotiations. This, many of you understand, Cinema and, and Manchin have been saying no to this, so it's not just Manchin. 
And Bernie Sanders said two people should not be able to stop what 48 people want. Completely ignoring the fact that the other half of the country, 50, you know, 50 senators, the other the other 25 states are saying nah to this. Apparently in the Democrat world, you better fall in line because nobody else matters or exists. How about it, Bernie? 52 people oppose you. They go on to say, he told associates his a two-step plan for exiting the party. First, he would send a letter to Senator Chuck Schumer, the top Senate Democrat, removing himself from the Democratic leadership of the Senate. Manchin hopes that would send a signal. He would then wait and see if that move had any impact on the negotiations. After about a week, he said, he would change his voter registration from Democrat to independent. It is unclear whether in this scenario, Manchin would end up with caucusing with Democrats who would allow them to continue the control of the Senate or side with Republicans and place the Senate in GOP hands. In either event, he would hold great sway over this half of Congress. He basically already does. They're going to say, without Manchin's vote, the Democrats cannot pass the package in the 50-50 Senate. And a vote on this measure is key to House passage of the $1 trillion bipartisan road, bridges, and broadband infrastructure bill the Senate approved in August. Manchin has met with Biden, Sanders, an independent, the chair of the Senate Budget Committee, Rep. Pramilia Jayapal, the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, and a variety of his fellow Senate Democrats this week in an effort to strike a deal. Through it all, he has insisted that $1.75 trillion is, is his top and final offer, and he has consistently said no to proposed programs that almost every other congressional Democrat supports. He has, he has told his fellow Democrats if they don't accept his position, they risk getting nothing. My friends, Joe Manchin is a Democrat in name only. And I mean that as actually respectfully. The Democrats are trash. Manchin is saying no to these policies, to these plans. He is clearly not on board with the tribal nature of the Democratic establishment. He represents old school Democrats. And he comes from West Virginia. I'll tell you this, I will not vote for that man. I mean, we're still years and years away from when he's up for re-election, but no, sorry. And I will also tell you, my attitude is I'll tell every single person in West Virginia not to vote for this man, and I'll make it part of uh, my mission. However, if he does the right thing, I think an independent can be good. We don't need a 50-50 Senate. We don't need a 51-49. A 50-49 or whatever is still good. We need compromise and negotiation. Manchin can do that as an independent. Now, if he becomes an independent, I actually would consider voting for him because I won't vote for a Democrat at this point. However, if he becomes an independent but still just caucuses with Democrats, then definitely not going to vote for him. I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. I actually would prefer an independent. And I like to a certain degree what Joe Manchin is saying here. But ultimately, I think we need more national populist individuals, be it left or right. I don't like either party. So ultimately, we'll see. But let's take a look at why Joe Manchin is saying this. From Wall Street Journal's opinion section, September 2nd, Joe Manchin wrote, why I won't support spending another $3.5 trillion amid inflation, debt, and the inevitability of future crises. Congress needs to take a strategic pause. I agree. He says, the nation faces an unprecedented array of challenges and will inevitably encounter additional crises in the future. Yet some in Congress have a strange belief there is an infinite supply of money to deal with any current or future crisis, and that spending trillions upon trillions will have no negative consequences for the future. I disagree. An overheating economy has imposed a costly inflation tax on, the, on every middle and working class American. At $28.7 trillion and growing, the nation's debt has reached record levels. Over the past 18 months, we've spent more than $5 trillion responding to the coronavirus pandemic. 
Now, Democratic congressional leaders propose to pass the largest single spending bill in history with no regard to rising inflation, crippling debt, or the inevitability of future crises. Ignoring the fiscal consequences of our policy choices will create a disastrous future for the next generation of Americans. What the Democrats are proposing doing is they want to take their hands right into your bank accounts, strip away your buying power, your savings, so they can use that power to buy what they want. They were also talking about spying on your bank accounts. They changed the rule. They said, okay, how about instead of we'll spy on your bank account, if it's 600 bucks, we'll do 10,000, which still is most Americans in a year. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? With more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So the, so the bill hasn't really changed. They want to tax the poor. That's what inflation is. You work. You earn $100. The $100 can buy you a bunch of beef. Let's say, let's say you, it can buy you 100 units of beef. $100, 100 units of beef. You put it in your bank account. The Democrats then pass this bill. Inflation skyrockets. All of a sudden, now your $100 can only buy 70 units of beef. And you think to yourself, what happened? I could have had the beef to eat. So I'll tell you this, personally, I'm just like, I don't want to have U.S. dollars. You know, I'd rather store my money in other investments, property, crypto, whatever. That's just me. I don't know. I do think I tend to err on the right, on the side that is more correct, but I'm not always right. So who knows? It's like a coin flip. But I'll tell you personally, I'm staying away from the dollar, especially right now with what they've been proposing. He goes on to say, those who believe such concerns are overstated should ask themselves, what do we do if the pandemic gets worse under the next viral mutation? What do we do if there is no financial, if, if there is a financial crisis like the one that led to the Great Recession? What if we face a terror attack or major international conflict? How will America respond to such crises if we needlessly spend trillions of dollars today? Instead of rushing to spend trillions on new government programs and additional stimulus funding, Congress should hit a strategic pause on the budget reconciliation legislation. A pause is warranted because it will provide more clarity on the trajectory of the pandemic, and it will, all, all, it, it will allow us to determine whether inflation is transitory or not. While some have suggested this reconciliation legislation must be passed now, I believe that making budgetary decisions under artificial political deadlines never leads to good policy or sound decisions. I have always said if I can't explain it, I can't vote for it. And I can't explain why my Democratic colleagues are rushing to spend $3.5 trillion. He goes on to say that we must allow for a complete reporting and analysis of the implications of a multi-trillion dollar bill. But I think we need to talk about what regular Americans are seeing. Take a look at this story from Quartz. 
Food in the U.S. is getting more expensive, and that's largely being driven by rising beef prices. In the past year, the consumer price index for food rose 0.9%, while the index for beef rose rose 17.6%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. COVID outbreaks forced meatpacking facilities to shut down, reducing beef production. Labor shortages have also slowed down production, from the food workers processing the beef to the truck drivers transporting it. The ongoing supply chain challenges, such as rising freight rates, are also affecting meat production, rising corn and soy prices, which make the feed for livestock more expensive, factor into the soaring beef prices. Beef prices were already on the rise before the pandemic. Ongoing droughts throughout western U.S. have led farmers to pull back on livestock. Poor crops in the past couple of years also pushed feed costs for livestock up sharply last year. The climbing prices are also leading to restaurant, leading restaurants to change up their ingredients to soften the blow of rising costs. Meat prices are likely to remain high until corn and soybean prices drop, which won't be until 2023. Meatpacking companies' profits soared during the pandemic. The big four meatpacking companies, Tyson, JBS, National Beef, and Cargill, control 85% of the beef market collectively. So it's bad. Food is up. And people are asking themselves why. The Hill reports, six in 10 say Biden policies responsible for increasing inflation. Poll. They say the morning consult Politico poll found 40% of respondents say Biden's policies were very responsible for rising inflation, while 22% say they are somewhat responsible. So that's 62% of people saying Biden is at fault for this. And he is. I remember saying this um, earlier in the year. Joe Biden's plan, raise the minimum wage, raise corporate taxes, free trade, Do you know what that means? Let me spell out for you. A company that has people working at $12 an hour is now being told they have to raise their rates to $15 an hour. That's $3 an hour per employee. That's a substantial cost. They're now being told they have to pay more taxes from 28 to 35 to maybe even 48. Who knows? Sky's the limit, right? More corporate taxes. Then they're told also, if you import your product to this country to sell, no taxes on that product. So what happens? A company says, if we stay here in the U.S., we're going to be paying 35% corporate tax. We're going to be paying additional 20 or so percent in labor costs. I got an idea. Move your factory to China because then you can pay dirt wages. You can keep your money in China from production, sell to the American people, and it's all tax-free imported goods. You mean to tell me Joe Biden's plan was to help America? No, it's, you know, simple people don't understand. They say, but if people, if you raise the minimum wage, they make more money than people can afford to eat. And you're like, how will that impact inflation? They're like, it won't because Denmark doesn't. Entirely different country, entirely smaller, but they just don't get it. Jobs will be shipped overseas. They will just say outright, I don't care to bother with it. Move the factory somewhere else. Now, maybe for stores and businesses that have to be in the U.S., like restaurants, that might have an impact. But this is part of the policy of Joe Biden, and they're expanding upon it. And they also want to just flood the zone with more money. So people are correct to say this is his fault. Where does that bring us, my friends? I give you Robert Kiyosaki, the biggest crash in world history predicted in October. Well, he's got like 10 days left. I don't know if we'll actually see the biggest crash in history, but certainly many people are making predictions. 
They say the author of the best-selling Rich Dad, Poor Dad predicts that a giant market crash coming in October has already been triggered and will bring down gold, silver, and Bitcoin with it. I'm not entirely convinced about the Bitcoin part. I think Bitcoin will skyrocket as it is. Quote, this is going to be the biggest crash in world history. We have never had this much debt pumped up. The debt to GDP ratio is out of sight. Mr. Kiyosaki said the stock market was being artificially inflated by the Treasury Department and the Fed with decisions disconnected from the realities of the current economy in the US in the United States. The reason why Ms. Yellen and Mr. Powell are scrambling, he said, is they've expanded the volume of money while the velocity of money is plummeting as no one spends and their cash lingers in savings. And they tried to make people spend their savings. They uh, they changed the reporting uh, requirements for the M1 money stock and they changed the they, they removed the restrictions. It used to be you could only move money from your savings about six times per month. Now they said, feel free to pull out whatever you want, effectively turning savings accounts into checking accounts. It's not working, but it's not just Kiyosaki. Take a look at this. Inflation, single biggest threat to markets and society in general, says investor who called the stock market crash in 1987. They say in an interview with CNBC, Paul Tudor Jones said he feared the Fed was employing what may be the most inappropriate monetary policy of his lifetime. The Fed moved to average inflationary targeting in a bid to lift stubbornly low inflation. The Fed won that battle in a blowout, Jones said. Now the problem is that high inflation is likely to remain stubborn and potentially much worse than what than uh, we fear. They say Jones won fame for predicting the stock market crash in 1987. Jones said the demand side of the equation, which is $3.5 trillion greater than it normally would be, is just sitting in liquid deposits that can go into stocks or crypto or real estate or can be consumed. It's waiting to be utilized, which is why inflation will not be transitory. A large cost of living increase for Social Security recipients, as well as the military, will be more fuel to the inflationary fire. Meanwhile, rising wage pressures will be another driver as the economy faces structural issues that won't be resolved by low interest rates or quantitative easing. Over at Barron's, they're reporting as of today. Yeah, inflation is about to get much worse, even if shortages end. They say, almost as passe is Friedman's dictum that inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. Given the Federal Reserve's previous inability to get inflation to reach its putative 2% target, especially in the years following the financial crisis, the current surge in inflation seems tied mainly to the effects of the pandemic, which has led to shortages of everything, owing both to snarled supply chains as well as the reluctance of many people to return to work. But the basic tenets of monetary, poli- monetary theory may be about to be relearned, so writes Deutsche Bank macro strategist Alan Ruskin, who warns the money supply explosion that powered the economy's rebound last year, along with the rally and everything from stocks to houses, will be followed by nasty after effects. The inflation will prove to be more than transitory, despite what Fed officials assert, leading to what he sees as a hangover like no other, as he titles his reports. Oh boy. Well, Joe Biden's in the gutter over it. Disapproval in aggregate is at 51.2%. Approval has dropped to a new low, 42.3. Biden is spiraling out of control. The Democrats know it, and it's only going to get worse. Take a look at this. Washington Post is getting slammed for a piece calling on American consumers to lower expectations in Joe Biden's America. Why bread lines are the new buffet? 
Here's their opinion piece. It says, don't rant about short-staffed stores and supply chain, supply chain woes. Try to lower expectations. I used to have the expectation that I could go to the store and there would be cream for my coffee. Not an outrageous thing to expect. We, I remember there was a bacon shortage. Bacon prices are through the roof. We went to the store and they didn't have any bacon. And I went around to some local farms and they said, yeah, bacon was getting hard to come by. I think there's, there's, there's still bacon now. We went and bought some. I remember for like a month, there was no cream at my local store. Oh, they had creamer, like the hydrogenated flavored oil stuff. They had canned whipped cream, they had cheese. And I'm just like, but where's the heavy cream? Where's the just cream? I should be able to expect that, right? Especially where I live, there's farms everywhere. So what we've been doing lately for shopping is going to farms instead. There's a really great, uh, you know, there's a bunch of really great farms right where we live. And they have cream and they have beef and they have fresh meats. They're healthier. They're more expensive, but they're more readily available. The best part was we were told by the farm, they were like, you can eat this beef raw because it is clean meat prepared in, in sanitary, fresh farm conditions. And we're like, wow. And they're like, yeah, no diseases. Clean utensils, clean cutting materials. So we, we actually got some beef. We don't eat it raw, but we like to have, you know, medium rare, a little pink in the middle on our burgers and our steaks. And that feels great knowing that we're getting good, clean farm meat, grass-fed beef. Absolutely fantastic. For most people, they're just being told by the media to uh, try to lower your expectations. Maybe eat some uh, Soylent, as it were. Drink some of those pre-made meals. I'm not trying to rag on the company, you know, but it is kind of a funny name. Here we go from Ad Age. Food shortages are wreaking havoc like whack-a-mole. Grocery stores and restaurants are still facing shortages and delays. Here's a photo of someone, and it says... The supply of basic goods at U.S. grocery stores and restaurants is undergoing intermittent shortages and delays. Credit iStock. I would like you to grasp the photo here. It is a photo from iStock, meaning a stock photo. We don't know where it's from. The news story is from October 19th, 2021. I have here another story. This from Thrillist. More food shortages are coming this fall. You might have to get a little creative with your Thanksgiving menu. This from October 1st. And they use an image from Shutterstock. The image shows a, a, a flyer hung in a store. It says, demand for this product is extraordinarily high. Thank you for your pa- patience as we work diligently to replenish our supply. Also, where is this photo from? Well, the reality is there are many photos emerging of shortages and empty shelves, but it's also true that we've seen shortages for some time. I bring you now to how the cult maintains the cult. From Reuters, Fact check. Images do not show empty shelves in U.S. supermarkets in October 2021. They say, alongside hashtags like Biden empty shelves and bare shell Bidens, some users are sharing miscaptioned image that are unrelated to the global supply chain shortages. You mean NewsGuard certified ad age with a score of 100 out of 100? You mean NewsGuard certified Thrillist with a score of 82.5 out of 100, showing stock photos of shortages and then leading people to believe that these are current news images and then telling them they're lying and spreading conspiracies and fake news? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to how the media operates in today's day and age. If you read these news stories, saw these photos, and then didn't understand that they aren't from today, you're fake news. So saith Reuters. You have been fact checked. I'd love to see these articles on Facebook. Get the fact checked, but of course, that won't happen. Only you. Here we go. 
CNN just called pre-COVID the before times. The before times. Joe Biden is to blame for all of this, my friends. There's still some good news. I'm going to I'm going to show you this. Let's uh, I pulled this up before I started recording. Bitcoin, one Bitcoin equals sixty six thousand four hundred and seventy one dollars. Let me hit refresh real quick just to see where we're at right now. Sixty six thousand three hundred seventy three dollars and forty cents went down a little bit. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I'm not here to give you financial advice. I'm here to point out that Bitcoin is setting new records mainly due to two. There's two big reasons. One, the first Bitcoin ETF has launched. That is Bitcoin effectively on the New York Stock Exchange. You can open up your trading apps and there it is. I think it's called BITO, B-I-T-O. But the other big reason is inflation. For me personally, I don't care about a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, it sounds great. When they announced they were doing the Bitcoin ETF, I didn't run out and buy more Bitcoin. I buy a small amount every month. Every month, I buy a little bit of Bitcoin. Nothing crazy. Boy, am I happy about that, considering the inflation and the rise of Bitcoin. But as more people seek to hedge their their bets, worry the dollar is going to collapse, the prices are going to skyrocket. Not only is Bitcoin going to outperform the dollar in terms of if if you can buy a candy bar for a dollar now, but you buy a dollar in Bitcoin instead in, you know, two or three months, the, the candy bar will be a dollar 20 and your Bitcoin will still track alongside the dollar 20. You'll still be able to buy that candy bar, but holding the dollar will not work out so well, right? Not only that, but because more people are seeking to hedge their bets, demand for Bitcoin is skyrocketing. Again, not giving advice. I'm only showing you this because it is a major sign that people are not confident at all in the dollar. And I hope you are aware of what that means. Now, alongside bad economic policy, we have other awful policies, mostly coming from Democrats. And this story isn't necessarily about Joe Manchin or Joe Biden or anything like that. But I do think it's important. From TimCast.com, San Francisco closes In-N-Out Burger after company says they won't act as vaccination police for any government. Joe Biden and the Democrats are leading the charge on mandating vaccines. And these businesses, they're saying no. You're not seeing this stuff in red states, but you're seeing Washington. You're seeing New York. You're seeing California. Take a look at this. San Francisco has closed a franchise of the wildly popular In-N-Out Burger chain after the company refused to act as vaccination police for any government. Bravo. Bravo in and out. In and out. 
The burger giant would not comply with the city's requirement that went into place on August 20th. The franchise near Fisherman's Wharf was temporary clo- tempor- temporarily closed on October 14th by the San Francisco Department of Public Health because employees were not properly checking for customers' vaccination documents. Quote, we refuse to become the vaccination police for any government. It is unreasonable, invasive, and unsafe to force our restaurant associates to segregate customers into those who may be served and those who may not, whether based on the documentation they carry or any other reason. In in and out uh, I'm sorry, in and out Chief Legal and Business Officer Arnie Wensinger said in a statement, we fiercely disagree with any government dictate that forces a private company to discriminate against customers who choose to patronize their business. This is a clear government overreach. According to the city mandate, all restaurants, bars, clubs, gyms, and large indoor events must obtain proof of vaccination from patrons and employees to protect against the coronavirus. According to the statement from health officials, they had first visited the location on September 24th, and they issued a warning. They returned on October 6th, 6th and found they were not complying. Quote, since then, public health inspectors have had attempted multiple times to bring the business into compliance with the health order. In-N-Out Burger had not complied by the time the final notice of violation and a notice of closure, a closure was issued. On October 14th, the restaurant was issued a notice, notice of closure, which instructed to cease all operations on site immediately. The chain has since reopened with indoor dining remaining unavailable, the company said in a statement to Newsweek. It's just one small story, but two important things. The economy is in shambles because of stupid ideas like Biden's $3.5 trillion spending bill. The Democrats don't care. They're burning everything to the ground. They just want to extract as much of your labor and your wealth and your buying power as they can until the ship comes, uh, you know, grinding to a halt and sinks. Joe Manchin is standing up against that. But I think there's going to be a reckoning for Democrats. I think in next year's election, we should see some kind of red wave for more than just this reason. Now, it's hard to predict. It is. I think that it's entirely possible the Democrats do retain the House and maybe even the Senate simply because of the cult, because too many people are just not capable of understanding they're being lied to. It's amazing how Fauci can come out and be like, you need to wear two masks. And then they're like, do we really? I never said to wear two masks. And then the CDC comes out and says, wear two masks. And he goes, actually, you should wear two masks. At a certain point, you're like, what? It was, I think, Bill Burr. He was like, Joe, I don't know. I just turn on the TV once every two weeks and I do what they tell me to do. Moron. Ethan Klein of H3 says, you just go to the CDC website. You don't even have to think. So what happens is someone turns on the TV and Fauci goes, you need to wear two masks. And then they go, "Okay," and they put on two masks. Then the next day, someone turns on the TV and turns on the TV and Fauci goes, I never said you need to wear two masks. And so they say, "Okay," and they don't. And then these two people meet and they both start screaming. But Fauci said these people do not have the ability to understand what is happening all around them. And people like Fauci can say whatever they want, and they just fall in line. So maybe the cult is powerful and people will just stay stuck in that system. I don't know. Or maybe more and more people will start waking up, especially with Manchin saying, I'm out. Maybe people will start asking themselves why it is that Jeff Van Drew quit the Democratic Party, why Joe Manchin may quit the Democratic Party, why many people are saying no to the Democrats. Meanwhile, you get these these crazy people acting in, in media like they're the only ones that exist and everyone else must be far right. I love the insanity 
And I love how it infects Wikipedia because now the far left narrative is in control and moderate leftists and Republicans, conservatives, all being called right wing. You can literally be for universal health care and they'll call that right wing. I've actually debated people on the merits of universal health care supplemented by private insurance. And that was the longstanding Democrat like progressive position. Now Bernie Sanders is like, we should abolish all private health insurance, which is insane. No country does that. And that's the left position now. And universal health care with private insurance is the right wing. I just these people have lost the plot. Stop listening to them. So we'll see. We'll see if this act of defiance can wake people up. But I don't know if it'll make a difference. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Dave Chappelle is losing the culture war battle. The Netflix CEO who actually defended Dave Chappelle a bit is now starting to walk things back, saying, I didn't realize the employees were hurting. Hurting. This is a wildly popular stand-up special that Dave Chappelle has done, and now there is going to be, so they claim, a mass walkout of Netflix employees. Well, it's Netflix's fault for caving to these people for hiring them in the first place, but I'm just going to come out and say it, my friends, Dave Chappelle is losing. Did you watch his last special, not this one, but Sticks and Stones? Amazing. In it, he makes a bunch of offensive jokes, and it was hilarious. Everybody really loved it. Well, except the woke, I would say, and the media critics who were all aghast. Now he has a new special called The Closer. And in it, it really just feels like cancel culture got to him. That a, a good portion of his stand-up is based on the fact that people came after him over his last stand-up special. I mean, that's kind of his thing. It's kind of what a, a lot of comedians do. They, they draw from personal experience. Not every single one. Um, some comedians tell, you know, it will be through personal experience, but I mean, like they'll tell jokes, they'll tell stories. They'll be like, Hey, this happened, then that happened. Punchline. Woohoo. Uh, with Dave Chappelle, it seems like his past few specials have been like, this is what's going on in my life and what I experienced in sticks and stones. He has this really funny bit about a shotgun and bird shot. And he's like, ah, it's a, it's not a heroin addict. It's a method. And, uh, it's, it's funny. That's what I mean. Like, you know, he just talks about personal experience and he tells these funny stories. In The Closer, it was much, much more personal. And it really felt like Dave's last comedy special, which was great, was influenced heavily by the fact that cancel culture woke mobs were coming after him. And it got to the point where he said, I will no longer do jokes about the LGBT community because I don't think they understand or something like that, which I don't care what his, his, his you know, what he's actually feeling. He's flat out saying they won. Now, initially, we were, um, I, I guess, optimistic. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think this is a good sign that uh, the woke left, man, they're the squeaky wheel getting the grease and people are terrified of them because, you know, they're spineless losers. I mean, for even for Dave Chappelle to be like, I won't do jokes about them. Oh, come on, dude, grow up. Look, I understand certain things we don't do, like certain jokes, certain forms of comedy we stopped doing for a lot of reasons. Dave Chappelle is particularly in favor of social justice causes. For even him to back down is just outright sad. And now the CEO is as well. Let me, let me read you the story, and then I want to talk to you also about John Stewart. John Stewart came out, gave an interview, said we, the media is just too focused on Trump, and now he's being attacked. People need to stop listening to these psychopaths. 
And I can certainly be excited and grateful of the viewership that I get on my channels and Timcast IRL. But let's be real, guys. You know, we get, I think, um, a combined, my content is, is probably around 50 million views per month. All together, the hours of content that I do, that's great. It's like really good. And CNN gets half a billion. MSNBC gets half a billion. Come on. We're getting 10% of that. I mean, it's good that people are, are watching and I can respect everybody who's reading TimCast.com and coming here. But Dave Chappelle even being smacked down? Yep, that's not a good sign. We need people to just wake up to the insanity. John Stewart is now right wing. Bill Maher apparently now is uh, playing to a right wing audience, and he's surprised by it. Let's talk about what's happening in this world, right? We'll start with this from TimCast.com. Netflix CEO says he screwed up while defending Dave Chappelle's special on eve of planned employee walkout. Be a member. Go to TimCast.com, become a member, help support our work. We're hiring journalists. We're expanding. We have two different nonprofits, one to create decentralized social media technology so that you can never be banned, and the other to fact check uh, news organizations and fact checkers. So when you make those donations, we're, we're funding nonprofit work, we're building culture, and we're hiring people. Here's the story. Netflix co-CEO, co-CEO, Ted Sarandos has said that he screwed up in leaked internal communications defending the Dave Chappelle special ahead of Wednesday's planned employee walkout in protest of the comedy show. Uh-oh, Tim Kest, there's a P, there's a typo right there. Chappelle's special, The Closer, has been facing extreme backlash for politically incorrect jokes about transgenderism. In the leaked communications with employees, Sarando said that distinguished be- distinguishing between commentary and harm is hard, especially with stand-up comedy, which exists to push boundaries. Some people find the art of stand-up to be mean-spirited, but our members enjoy it, and it's an important part of our content offering. In a follow-up memo, Sarandos explained that we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real-world harm, citing the fact that violence on screen has gone up. Violence on screen, yeah. Screen has gone up while, in many, uh, while going down in many countries. There was a really great point brought up by uh, Michael Schellenberger last night, and he was saying, why is that the standard? Why, why was that something appropriate for the Netflix CEO to say, instead of just being like, it's a comedy show? to come out and say that we did a show that everyone's offended by, but don't worry, no people were violently harmed afterwards is a terrible standard. But it's a good example of how the left reframes things. Instead of saying this is a net positive for everybody, Dave Chappelle is speaking out and speaking up on behalf of people. He actually defended a friend of, uh, of his who was trans. Instead of saying this was a positive, they say it's a major negative. We get it, but don't worry, no one got beaten. The left has already won that argument when they reframed it. Quote, the strongest evidence to support this is that violence on screens has grown hugely over the last 30 years, especially with first party, uh, first party, first person shooter games. And yet violent crime has fallen significantly in many countries. Adults can watch violence, assault and abuse or enjoy shocking stand up comedy without it causing them to harm others. We are working hard to ensure marginalized communities aren't defined by a single story. So we have sex, edu- sex education, Orange is the New Black, Control Z, Hannah Gadsby, and Dave Chappelle all on Netflix. Key to this is increasing diversity on the content team itself. Now, in response to that statement, Hannah Gadsby came out and started smack talking Netflix and insulting them, but that's a whole other thing. The memos did not help to tamper the outrage among leftists working at Netflix. However, and a walkout was planned for Wednesday. 
In a company Slack channel on Monday, an employee wrote, I encourage all mem- uh, all mem- uh, I encourage all trans and allies not to work for Netflix that day. As we've discussed through Slack, email, text, and everything in between, our leadership has shown us that they do not uphold the values for which we are held. Between the numerous emails and non-answers that have been given, we have been told explicitly that we somehow cannot understand the nuance of certain content. I don't know about you, but asking for us to show the whole story and not just the pieces that harm trans and LGBTQ plus people is not an unreasonable ask. So I encourage, uh, I encourage uh, us all to state clearly that we as Netflix employees are stunning, not sim- simply when we are doing the work. What is this? <laughs> Weird quote. That our roles demand for us, but also when we challenge the very principles of our company. In an interview Tuesday night, Sarandos told the Wall Street Journal that he had botched his response to disgruntled employees. This is this is just hilarious. What I should have led with in those emails was humanity, Sarando said. I should have recognized the fact that a group of our employees was really hurting. No, you should fire all of those employees, you spineless loser. But let's not forget, this is the company that made cuties big mouth and fired a, fired one of their executives for telling people that the N-word was racist. I'm not kidding. One of their executives was explaining to people, these are some racist words and offensive words that we don't want to appear on the network. And then when he explained them, they went, how dare you actually say words? And so the guy gets called into HR and they're like, we have a report that you used the N word. Well, no, I was explaining to people what words are offensive. And so he, they said, what words are offensive? He said, well, I said, don't say these words. And then they were like, get out. I can't believe you would just say that word again. Words are violence. Stop hiring these people, you pathetic losers. If you, uh, you know what, man, I don't, I don't, I don't have a Netflix account. I have friends who do, but. I tell you, man, we need alternatives. This is what I want to do with TimCast.com in the long run. I want it to be its own Netflix. We're not going to have vax mandates. We're not going to sit here and cry and say, I'm so sorry to my fans. I don't care who they are. If we, if we, if we do a show with someone who hates Donald Trump and says dumb things, I'll be like, don't watch the show about the guy who doesn't like Donald Trump if you don't like him. And for the people on the left, if you don't like it, don't watch it. I don't care. Well, we got one show so far, Tales from the Inverted World. If we had the, you know, billions of dollars of Netflix, perhaps we would be doing large shows and specials like this, but we don't. So for the time being, we're starting with vlogs and podcasts, but hopefully maybe in five years, we will have a couple of different shows. We'll have a sitcom and we will tell all of these woke lunatics to shove off. I don't care about your opinion. We ain't going to hire you. You can go cry yourself a river. He goes on to say, specifically, Sarandos walked back his remarks about entertainment causing real world harm. To be clear, storytelling has an impact in the real world, sometimes quite negative, he said. Sarandos did not entirely throw Chappelle under the bus, however, adding that the special was consistent with their goal of entertaining people with different tastes. We have articulated to our employees that there are going to be be things you don't like, but we are trying to entertain a world with varying tastes and varying sensibilities and various beliefs. And I think this special was consistent with that. Screw off Netflix. I just don't care. Viacom CBS CEO Bob Backish calls uproar over content inevitable amid Chappelle outcry. The Wall Street Journal says Mr. Backish appeared at the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live conference discussing Viacom CBS's streaming strategy and its posture on mergers. In his remarks Monday, he made during the tech interview, he declined to address 
the Netflix dust up directly, but said Viacom CBS has had its own brushes. Quote, if you're going to be in the the mass market business, you're going to inevitably run into some of these issues and you have to manage them with finesse. Ultimately, yeah, there may be some stuff you have to pull as you look at it, but it's not unusual to be there. What a loser. Look, if we can't have strong people of moral values stand up for what they believe in and just say calmly, passionately and respectfully, my friends, all of you who are outraged at the Chappelle special need only not watch it. And if you are concerned about real world harm, that's too bad. You do not dictate what other people are allowed to watch, experience or enjoy. Have a nice day. Instead, what do we get? Okay, maybe maybe I did it wrong. It, you, you, you're going to have to pull stuff. It's inevitable. You know what? Just, it's absurd. It absolutely is absurd. You know what? You want to talk about how absurd things have gotten? Dave Chappelle is a black man who has done multiple specials or, or stand-up routines, not, not necessarily just specials, where he's talked about Black Lives Matter, where he's talked about racism. He's done jokes about it that even conservatives laugh at. He's got that old joke from a Chappelle show where he's like, you know, a black man gets killed by a cop, sprinkle some crack on him. And it's like, oh, there you go. And people laugh about it. Dave Chappelle actually is, can speak truth to power in a way that people enjoy even on the right and the left. The left wants to throw it all away because they don't care. They just want to assert power. You entertain these lunatics at your own peril. Check out this story from Fox News. Liberals lash out at Jon Stewart after he scolded media's fixation on Trump. Stewart was also ripped by liberal media over the summer for giving credence to COVID-19 lab leak theory. I love it because they're like, Tim Paul is right wing. (laughs) My opinions line up pretty well with like Jon Stewart. Now, to be fair, Jon Stewart hasn't really been paying attention all that much in the past several years. So I can agree with some of the, the leftist sentiment, but in a different way that he's kind of out of touch, but he does get some things right. I remember when I saw him come out and stand up for the 9-11 first responders passionately, he defended Trump. Why? Because he's a man of principle, at least in my opinion. Far from perfect, but, you know, still a good dude. On The Daily Show, he praised Project Veritas on more than one occasion. You see, political, political opinions, policy positions, we can have arguments about it, like universal health care. Man, personally, I absolutely favor a universal health care system. How we implement it, ooh, that's rough. I mean, maybe we need, uh, um, you know, we have basic level health care, but supplemented by private insurance. That's typically how I frame it, but uh, I don't know. I don't like the idea of the government denying medical care to people based on race, which is what they've been doing or trying to do with the vaccine, at least. So maybe that won't work at all, but I would personally like it. If it worked, maybe it won't. Let's have a conversation about it. I idealistically, I lean left on, on, on many of these issues. I don't care about this idea of traditionalism and, 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 and free market capitalism and all that stuff. I'm like, look, I care about what's true and what will make life better for people and how we can live and let live, respect people and guarantee their civil rights. The left says standing up for truth is right wing. So when Jon Stewart comes out and says they're obsessed with Trump, they say, oh, he's lost the plot. Bill Maher, check, take a look at this. I just absolutely love the world we're in. Huh? How about this? Bill Maher on crowds hunger for mocking wokeness. For the first time, I'm playing to a mixed audience. Maher dings Democrats for leadership since Trump left office. I would have liked a little more competence. 
And Bill still lives in the bubble. It's, what's really amazing to me is that Bill Maher can, can principally see things that make no sense, like cancel culture and the woke left, but he just keeps believing the establishment media outlets. Bill, please wake up. I was recently asked by somebody if, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to put me in touch with Bill Maher's team. They're like, you got to go on Bill Maher. And I was like, I, don't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I have no reason to go on a show that, for one, uh, I'm pretty sure gets less views uh, overall uh, than my show does. It's, it's, it's old. It's outdated. I remember when I was younger and uh, Jon Stewart was, was retiring and I was like, man, I always wanted to meet Jon Stewart and, and go on a show, talk about these ideas, talk about what the things I had experienced. And now I'm older and, and wiser. And I look at these guys and I'm just like, I see what they did wrong. I see what they're doing wrong. And I'm not sure if I care. You know, I will, I will say something. We had a guest recently, came on the Tim Castile podcast, and we were talking about our ratings, our viewership. We get like um, in total viewership with live and with um, on-demand view- viewing, it's like 600K total, maybe 550 to 600K thousand views in the two-hour show. And then we do the clips, which get another 600. So we get like all in all, these, these, these shows will generate a collective of like 1.2 million. It's not the same as Bill Maher. Bill Maher does his show. And in that, you know, two hours with reruns, he'll get, you know, a total of like a million or it's like 800,000. However, you know, uh, there, it, it's, it's just different and it's hard to quantify. But Bill does, does get big viewerships, uh, big viewership. I, I, just, I just don't care, though. I don't care to be a part of that system. But, but, but what I'm getting at is really interesting. We can have people on our show. It's Sean Spicer on Timcast IRL. And, you know, he says a lot of things. Media absolutely ignores us. And you know what? Good. I was told, look, if you go on Bill Maher, he, he may not get, you know, because he does one show a week. So we get across the board, Timcast IRL generates way more unique viewership than Bill Maher does, but his one show. Actually, I'll put it this way. If, if I was to do one show per week, it's a fact that you get more viewership because everyone will watch the one episode. Across the board, we do Monday through Friday live. We get substantially more traffic and unique viewership than Bill Maher does. But I was told, but he has establishment pull. Like you go on that show and, and all these journalists will see you. And I'm like, I don't care about those people. I don't want them to see me. I don't want to be involved in their psychotic, broken world. Jon Stewart has legacy pull. He was around for such a long time that people look at him and Bill Maher and they care what these people have to say, even though they don't really get a lot of attention. My favorite thing, my favorite story right now, exemplifying what's going, how, how the New York media works, is Ozzy media. This big story among journalists about, you know, how it was a vaporware or whatever. I don't even know or care about the story. Most people don't. It's not going to change the fact there won't be food on your table uh, for Thanksgiving. It's not going to change the fact that you can't get Christmas presents for, for, for your kid. It's not going to change the fact that there's a pumpkin and turkey shortage, mostly due to labor shortages or inflation, stagflation. It's not going to change any of those things. So why are they talking about it? They think regular people like that story? They're writing news for themselves, something I refer to as music for musicians. And that's, I'll tell you this story for those that haven't heard it. I remember playing a show and uh, I was, I think I played second. There was three people. I played second and my songs are all relatively simple and poppy, four chords and packed the house. It was a small venue. It was like 50 people, but you know, every seat's full and I ended up making really good money. I was like, wow. And the guy who played after me was playing this crazy arpeggiated. 
And, and not many people stuck around for it. I, I, I remember seeing that and saying, like, you did a really good job playing the guitar. Technically impressive, but confusing to regular people. So anyway, my point is, this is what New York media has become. Music for musicians. They write stories for each other. They're so out of touch. This is why you see this. Liberals lash out at Jon Stewart, but Jon Stewart is correct. Jay Rosen, one of the most vapid and confused individuals, he's a professor at NYU, no less, says, I watched the, this entire interview. And, and by the way, he's, he's praised me in the past. I watched the entire interview with Jon Stewart. Many of you will probably disagree, but to me, he sounds lost surprisingly inarticulate and no clear point of view, dismissive of the asymmetry in our politics and a minimizer. Here's uh, uh, Eric Bollert, whoever that is, verifies this, agreed. Tom Watson, absolutely. Stewart lost the plot before 2016 and has seemed like a rudderless scold. I think it was a fairly big loss at the time, actually. Hmm. And old Dash says, this is dead on. Stewart became a both side zealot long ago, and the resurgence of fascism in the country has done nothing to dissuade this. It's also why his Church of the First Responders ignores obvious egregious systematic harms by cops and their enablers. Talk about being in a cult. Now, do you want to make money from cult members? I guess it's better you have the money than they do, but not when you're building culture, making the cult bigger. Come on. You've got to tell these people to shove off. Let them have their cult. But we'll do something else. Brandon Friedman says he's a comedian who played a political journalist on TV quite well. But now that he's attempting to be a real serious journalist, it isn't working. It's not his thing. Yeah. And Stephen Colbert. How's that? Mehdi Hassan. This is amazing. Jon Stewart has taken aim at the media saying they do a terrible job at de-escalation. But is it fair to lump all media together? Or is it a right wing problem? Wow. Perfectly exemplifying what Jon Stewart was saying. Glenn Greenwald chimes in saying his two basic points were, one, the liberal sector of corporate media, CNN, focuses excessively on Trump and, and as the cause of America's evils. And two, the U.S. is plagued by multiple broken and corrupt institutions, not just the GOP. Two heretical claims in liberal discourse. I hate that the, you know, the word liberal is applied to these people. Come on, they're a cult. You know, look, I watched a video from Jordan Klepper. And he went to a Trump rally. And boy, does Trump have his cult. People waving Q flags and saying that Trump, one guy was like, Trump is still the president. I'm like, these people have no sense of reality. But do any of those people work for CNN? Are, are those people at universities telling our kids what to think? I, look, I've met flat earthers. I've met people who believe lizards live under the Denver International Airport. There are many of these people, and I don't care about them. They believe crazy things for crazy reasons, but they don't control our cultural institutions. Trump has his zealots for sure, but the average run-of-the-mill Trump supporter is not that. I know because I've traveled the country going to Trump rallies, and I met many of these people. And it was quite, quite obvious, to say the least, when you go to a Trump rally, I remember I'm in Florida and there's a lady and she's like, I never, I never voted before. I never really cared. I didn't think the politician spoke to me. I'm an independent and I think Trump is a bit more moderate. I don't like Republicans, but I'll vote for him. And I'm like, interesting. Have I met people who are like waving Q flags? You bet. And I have to try and talk them down like guys. There's no secret CIA missions in Germany and all that stuff. They believe crazy things. Fortunately for us, they don't run the universities like this Jay Rosen does at NYU. You see, when I look to the Trump zealots, of which there aren't that many, but there are many, right? What I, what I mean to say is it's not like there's like billions of people or millions. There's probably in the thousands. And I think they've been misled. And I think it's unfortunate. 
and I'm not worried about them because they have no cultural power. And then I look to my left and I see Jay Rosen and I see him just spewing word vomit. And I see some of the most evil individuals ever. Like Brian Stelter is like an overtly evil guy. I mean, look at that. It's not a real smile. This photo of, of, of Stelter, he is just the most robotic, duplicitous liar. I guess, you know, for me, evil would be Brian Stelter telling you not to seek out information, to remain ignorant, not to do your own research, and then running a propaganda show where all he does is talk about Fox News, which is one channel of dozens that exist in the mainstream media. And one of the only counter narratives, not a big fan of Fox News across the board, mind you, but that's all he does. And then he says things like, don't go and watch them, watch us instead. You get people like, I think it was Chris Cuomo. Remember, it's illegal for you to read WikiLeaks, but we're journalists, so it's okay. These people are despicable. But you know what? That's the cathedral. I don't think it was this bad before. I really don't. And I, I say that because um, I'm watching some older shows. I watched, uh, binge watched 30 Rock. Wow. What an amazing show. And now I'm watching House. Uh, I, the House is a great show. I love it. It's a bit formulaic, but you know, every episode's the same. Someone comes in, they make some guesses on the diagnosis, get it wrong, and then something happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House is a mean guy. But uh, he refers to um, Foreman, the black doctor, as the affirmative action hire. He says disparaging things about women. And I'm like, they would not let this show on the air today. Like, they would not make a show like this. Take a look at what Dave Chappelle said. He actually, you know, he... he but you get the point. You see where this is going. Here's my favorite part. To uh, let, let, let me give you all the cherry on top from TimCast.com. Leftists trying to cancel Handmaid's Tale author Margaret Atwood for tweeting article critical, critical of trans agenda. When the Handmaid's Tale has become taboo, oh, you gotta love it, I guess. Comes full circle. Let them devour themselves, I suppose. The problem is, as they do it, these, these companies keep joining in. So here's, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Timcast.com. We got the Cast Castle vlog. This is our reality show. It's our culture building. You watch people do silly things. We're getting like, we were getting like 60 to 100,000 when we were doing one episode per week. Once we switched to every day, you, we use, there's a finite amount of unique viewerships. So now we're getting like 20 to 30,000 per views on these videos. That's pretty good. But if we really want to be competitive, we need to make a show that, ex that, that, that uh, expands upon culture that's getting hundreds of thousands or millions. So make sure you go to youtube.com slash cast castle. Check it out. Watch it if you like it or don't. Whatever. The goal is to make a show that non-political people can enjoy. We, we, we do fun things and silly things and just watch what's going on here. And then we've got like a Gadsden flag and things like that. We have Tales from the Inverted World, True Crime, Paranormal Mysteries. We're just getting the ball rolling on this stuff. But hopefully in a few years, we have shows. We, we're talking about doing sitcoms, movies, documentaries. And then when the woke people come and say, we're offended by what you made, I'll be like, oh, oh no, are you? That's too bad. I don't care. You're not valuable. To, your, your ideas are not valuable. And you're, you're actually a, 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 a causing problems on this country. I am basically politically where Jon Stewart is and, and, and Dave Chappelle in many ways. And this leftist woke mob is damaging the actual cause of justice. And if people don't wake up and tell them to shut up and get out, it'll get worse. These people are overtly racist and identitarian, and we cannot allow that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. 
I think we're almost at the end game, whatever that means. I mean, the phrase has been used before, but we're getting to the point where Democrats and establishment neocons like Liz Cheney are going after political rivals. And the token Republicans on the January 6th committee just serve as a kind of, look, we have Republicans. It's bipartisan, so say the media. But it's not. Steve Bannon, He is potentially facing criminal prosecution. The story, the January 6th committee votes to refer Bannon to DOJ for criminal prosecution. It's going to be a hard case. Steve Bannon was subpoenaed to testify, and he said executive privilege. You know, unless you get a court order or there's a a, a definitive statement from a judge, I am not going to testify because the executive branch has privilege. Well, the argument is that Joe Biden has not invoked that privilege. Steve Bannon says this is the presidency under Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. Should be interesting. Now, they're going after Bannon. And maybe he would testify if they went through the proper legal channels. Apparently, many others will. But we also have a couple other stories that I think are important for you to understand why I say we're nearing the end game. If not, we're already in it. Protesters arrested after occupying Interior Department lobby. Oh, my. That sounds like they were inciting an insurrection. What's this story from Entertainment Weekly? Alyssa Milano arrested at voting rights demonstration outside White House. (gasps) Was Alyssa Milano fomenting insurrection? Yes, of course. Of course. Right. That's the that's the language they want to use. Look, I, I understand the difference between Alyssa Milano standing outside the White House and protesters, rioters, you know, entering the Capitol building and disrupting the Electoral College vote process. However, there is something to be said about the protesters who occupied the Senate, the Capitol, the, the, the legislative buildings, it was uh, Congress and the Senate during a Kavanaugh and the activists or rioters who were trying to smash down the door of the Supreme Court building when they were when they were uh, confirming Kavanaugh. I think it was Supreme Court building. They were banging on the door, screaming, let us in. That was not insurrection. I've witnessed some of these protests. I've people I've seen people in the halls of Congress occupy individuals, leftists and nothing. Nothing from the media. Steve Bannon wasn't at the Capitol. Steve Bannon did not storm through the doors. Steve Bannon was in D.C. I believe he was in D.C., but they're going after him because he helped organize a rally where a bunch of people waved little American flags and heard Donald Trump say, we're going to peacefully watch as pol- and cheer on politicians who are voting. And that was it. And while Trump was still speaking, people went down to the Capitol in a riot ensued. It was bad. Not everybody who was there was riding. Of course, there's videos, more and more videos being released of people just being let in by police officers. They're actually going after some of these cops. But welcome to the endgame, my friends. They're going after their political rivals. Yahoo News reports the January 6th House Select Committee voted unanimously on Tuesday to refer Steve Bannon to the Justice Department for criminal prosecution in response to his refusal to cooperate with his investigation, paving the way for a full House vote on the matter, which is planned for Thursday. Quote, Mr. Bannon stands alone in his complete defiance of our subpoena. Bravo, good sir, Steve, said committee chair, uh, committee chairman Benny Thompson of Mississippi, a Democrat, Mississippi. He's chosen the path towards criminal contempt by taking this position. Quote, when you think about what we're investigating, a violent attack on the seat of our democracy perpetrated by fellow citizens on our Constitution, an attempt to stop the certification of an election. It's shocking to me that anyone would not do everything in their power to assist our investigation. Thompson, you duplicitous scumbag. I was there on January 17th when people went around smashing buildings and starting fires. 
How about you go after each and every one of those people? Now, the feds tried, but boy, did they suck at going after these people. You know who they were? Steve Bannon wasn't even in the, in, at the Capitol. And they're going to arrest him? They've kept these January 6th defendants in solitary. They've been beaten. One guy's got his wrist broken and they won't treat him. A judge has held the warden and the, I believe, the director of the Department of Corrections in contempt over their violation of this individual's civil and human rights. Antifa? Nothing. Nothing. Thompson added that the committee's rapid move to force the issue with subpoenas last month, followed, by, followed up by a prompt criminal referral, should be a warning to anyone else who might consider non-cooperation. I want other witnesses to understand something very plainly. If you're thinking of following the path Mr. Bannon has gone down, you're on notice that this is what you will face. Oh, man, man. You know, I don't find myself in, in, in situations like, you know, being forced to undergo a vaccine mandate at my company because I left and I relocated my business before things got that bad. I don't find myself being forced to undergo uh, things like this because I just smart enough, I suppose, to see what's happening and to avoid cer certain pitfalls. But man, you know, Steve Bannon, talk about standing up for what he believes in. And boy, do I have tremendous respect for this guy. I've had him on the show a couple times. He's a he's a he's brilliant. Steve Bannon's a good guy. He's a smart guy. And boy, do they go after him. And boy, is it just total BS. They're they're afraid of him because he is he is a powerful individual. And I don't mean like access. I mean, like the dude is sharp with it. And boy, can he organize. And that's dangerous for the establishment shills. You can burn down a building. You can kill people in a pawn uh, coming out of a pawn shop. But if you dare defy the Democratic establishment, for simply having been involved in a rally, they will seek to have you arrested. I would never comply with scumbags like this. Actually, no, I take that back. I take that back. I really do. You know, I thought about this. You know, what if I were in this position? Well, I, I don't see myself as being in a position like this, but I'd, I'd actually show up. I would love the opportunity to look Liz Cheney in the eye and say, you are a piece of human trash. It's unfortunate the people of Wyoming are forced to endure your faux leadership, but I look forward to the next election when you can be removed. I would love to look Benny Thompson in the eye, just whatever their questions were. This is why I'm almost like Bannon maybe should testify. Give yourself an opportunity. Actually, this is interesting. Bannon was in favor of the January 6th investigation. He was in favor of the committee. Interestingly, I think he should testify. He isn't just saying, like, what, is it, what does he have to really say out to organize an event? No, no, what he can say is when Antifa shows up in Minnesota, when Antifa shows up in D.C., there was no response. No, no, sir, we're talking to you about January 6th. What happened on that day? Was there any, I was not involved in the planning of Antifa's attack on January 17th. Uh, I'm sorry, January 21st, uh, 2017, uh, um, during the insurrection. Thank you. During the insurrection, we saw several people breach the Capitol. I believe you're incorrect. During the insurrection, I just saw Antifa burn a limousine and throw bricks through windows. Which, are, which event are you referring to? Oh, I'd love to just play that game. And they bang their little gavels. If you don't answer your questions, shut your mouth. I did, oh, man, they would never let me in that building. Boy, would it just feel so good. You know, I'm reminded of V for Vendetta. When you have that scene with uh, Prothero, he's the, the pundit guy. And they, 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 I don't know if you've seen the movie. You have to have seen the movie. It's amazing. When V goes into the, the news building 
and then escapes, plays the message. Then Prother was like, I'll tell you what I would have loved. I would have loved to have been there, to have looked him in the eyes. And, and then he turns around and V's and he's like, Ugh. And he's like, no, man, I'll tell you this. I would have loved to have been there. Don't believe me. Tucker Carlson had me on his show because when Antifa got in my face in Boston, I wigged out. I did. And it was like, and then some, some uh, other guy came and pulled my hat off. And then I wigged out even further. No, I'd, I'd love to see these people and stare. And they can say, oh, contempt or whatever. You know, I don't care. I literally don't care. You people are scum. The people on this committee are the most vile, capital city, hunger games, pieces of trash. And someone needs to say it to their faces. I'd love to sit there and be like, please, C-SPAN, put your cameras on my face. You think I'd wear a suit? Never going to happen. And I would say you are all vile trash. You are the most disgusting, unscrupulous, unrepentant pieces of garbage this country has ever been forced to endure. And I hope that one day soon, the American people make that move, organize, primary all of you, get you out and then maybe we'll see some real leadership in this country, some real reform. Furthermore, I could lo- I'd love to see a convention of states. And these people should be locked up. Criminal corruption. All right, all right, all right. Let's not go too far. If they've committed a crime, being a bad politician, you don't get locked up for, but remove them from office at the very least. Some of the worst human beings. And I feel bad for my fellow Americans having to endure this, this, this scumbaggery. They say Thompson said so far Bannon is the only person to refuse to work with the committee. I want to make it clear just how isolated Mr. Bannon is. Oh, he's not isolated. I stand behind him. And I'm sure many of you do as well, saying, Steve, good for you. We believe in you. We have reached out to dozens of witnesses. We are taking in thousands of pages of records. We are conducting interviews on a steady basis. So far, two other top officials close to Trump and uh, close to Trump, former, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and Cash Patel have cooperated with the panel and have not used Trump's claims of executive privilege, privilege as a shield. Liz Cheney, the committee's leading Republican and its vice chair, focused her statement on picking apart the weaknesses in Bannon's claim that Trump's assertion of executive privilege, spelled out formally in a lawsuit filed Monday, precludes him from providing testimony or documents related to the January 6th insurrection. The plain fact here is that Mr. Bannon has no legal right to ignore the committee's lawful subpoena. I just, oh man. I'm, I'm so, this is why Bannon is, is such a prominent guy. You know, the, I, I, I see so many people claim to have beliefs and principles and boy, do they cave. But here's a guy saying, nah, in the face of jail, they're like, we'll lock you up. And he's like, okay. I'm like, wow. Bravo, man. Big fan, big, big fan. Legal expert, Jonathan Schaub, a former DOJ attorney told Yahoo News, Executive privilege covers only matters related to a president's official duties. Bannon's testimony about the events leading up to January 6th almost certainly has no relation to Trump's official duties as president and relates solely to actions Trump was taking in his personal and political capacity, which is legally distinct, Schaub told Yahoo News. By definition, executive privilege does not protect conversations about undermining the Constitution. I kind of would like to see Bannon testify, you know, but I guess it's not public for the most part. I think the people who are testifying... There's an interesting conversation to be had here. You know, Bannon uh, said to me that he was in favor of the January 6th commission because he wants to get to the bottom of what happened so it can be revealed to the public. That's a good point. Well, maybe in that case, he should testify and say, spill the beans, make everything public. I guess we'll see. You know, Bannon said that he would testify if, you know, executive privilege was duly uh, ruled upon by a court. 
This is a bold action to go for criminal charges. Cheney also said that based on the committee's investigation, it appears Mr. Ben had substantial advanced knowledge of the plans for January 6th and likely had an important role in formulating those plans. What they don't tell you is the plans were about a rally, not not storming a Capitol. On January 6th, a mob breached the security perimeter of this Capitol, assaulted and injured more than 140 police officers engaged in hand-to-hand violence over an extended period and invaded and occupied the Capitol building. All really bad, mind you. And I think these people should be prosecuted. All in an effort to halt the lawful counting of electoral votes. That's actually not true. The FBI said there was no plan and there was no insurrection. The day before this all occurred on January 5th, Mr. Bannon publicly professed knowledge that all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. What does that mean? No, seriously, what does it mean? All hell is going to break loose. Was he saying that Mike Pence would kick back votes? Was, he, was that what, he's, what he was saying? I'll tell you this. It's really funny. I said nothing was going to happen. I was like, a bunch of people are going to show up, wave little American flags. It'll be a waste of anyone's, everyone's time. He forecast that the day would be extraordinarily different than what most Americans expected. The committee's ability to learn the truth by January 6th is a test of whether the rule of law still applies in America, Thompson said. If there's no accountability for these abuses, if there are different sets of rules for different types of people, then a democracy is in serious trouble, he said. You know what? I completely agree with you. Protesters arrested after occupying Interior Department lobby. Okay, so they were arrested. It was a sit-in. What happened? An Interior Department spokesperson said a group of protesters rushed the lobby, injuring at least one security officer who was taken to a nearby hospital. Police and protesters clashed outside the building, and officers used tasers against several unarmed protesters. Interior Secretary Deb Halland was traveling Thursday. She said protesters were taken in for booking. So uh, what do we have here? Is this an insurrection? Where's the media to be like a bunch of far left climate change rioters stormed the building and injured? I love the phone narratives that have come out of this, this, this uh, uh, insurrection. The Democrats absolutely loved it. The people who stormed that building are a bunch of morons. Sorry, it's just true. If you were in that building, you are you are stupid. You were either tricked or manipulated or whatever. You couldn't see what's coming. That's why I say, my friends, we are not in that world. It is not the 1600s. Standing in a building does not change the government. Some people saying it was a revolution or whatever. Guys, you went inside a building. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think like a couple hundred people forcing their way into a building would change anything? That's not the way the world works today. Basing your actions off of you know, historical narratives about the 1700s or whatever. Today's day and age, confidence is in communication. Our ability, uh, what we believe in. Now, I get it. Back in the day, you know, they could come and occupy the city and take the capital. And then people would be like, oh, no, what do we do? Because they couldn't organize. Now we have mass communications. Now you can be in a building and they'll just be like, get out of our building. And people will talk. And there you go. You ever see Valkyrie? That movie with Tom Cruise about the, the group of people, uh, the group of uh, Germans who wanted to overthrow Hitler, remove him from power. There is this is the power of mass communications. They, they put out reports that Hitler was killed in a bomb blast because they tried to assassinate him. And when the report went out, people immediately were like, OK, now what do we do? But Hitler survived and was able to gain control by using radio to say it's not true. And then the status quo resumed. As long as that mass communication exists, we must play within the confines of mass communication, which is why it's so important to have decentralized networking technology. Do not take my plans lightly, my friends. So we have two major projects, nonprofit ventures. 
the Open Network Foundation, the On Foundation, and we have the Truth and Media Foundation. I thought it was a clever name. I didn't come up with it, but it's the Tim Foundation. I think it's funny. That one is going to fund fact checkers to fact check the fact checkers and fact check news organizations provide a rating system based on whether their news is ethical or unethical. The On Foundation is going to be developing decentralized social networking tools so that you can stay in the communications. When big tech tries to silence and ban you and excise you, they are seizing the means, they're seizing the battlefield. And so long as they have that power, they can control narratives, ideas, and whether or not people will take actions. Law enforcement, just the other day we saw this story, Biden is trafficking children. It's not an exaggeration. He's literally trafficking migrant children, and the police are helping him do it. Local cops in small jurisdictions. This is what happens when you control the flow of communication. Unless we can get the word out and call out these cops and say these cops are human traffickers, and they are, they'll keep doing it because no one will ever question them. But imagine one day that cop walks into a cafe and they say, get out. Well, then they're going to be like, geez. Look, I know the left talks about that in terms of Black Lives Matter stuff, but blaming an individual cop who was not involved, I don't think makes sense. Blaming the actual cops who are engaging in racist abuse or human trafficking, that I get. That's the modern state of warfare, cancel culture. That's why they're always filming. If you have a complaint about a, a Karen, they'll say, you know, it's really funny. There are videos where like an older woman will be complaining and everyone will call her a Karen. There have been several videos where I'm like, she's right, though. Like there's a video where there's a woman in like a, in a store and someone's filming her saying you're a Karen, you're a racist. And she was actually in the right. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was like, you know, something had happened where she had complained about service. So they called her a Karen, started insulting her. And they use that footage knowing that's a weapon that even if you're right, They'll put you on the internet, call you a Karen, and the left will just pile on. That is modern warfare, stripping access to resources away from people. Now, we can stop all of this if we remain resilient and say, I will not be swayed by this. And the more they do it, the less likely I am, I am to be swayed by it. The more likely I'm just going to say, I, I ignore this stuff. You call them racist. I, I don't even know. You know, I know people who have been called all sorts of weird, awful names, and I just don't care anymore. The, 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 the leftists in the media, they try to smear me, but they always just say right wing. They never say far right. They never say alt right. The one or two times they did, they've retracted and apologized for saying it. They just say Tim Pool is right wing. Think about how psychotic these people are to call me right wing, because to them, right wing just simply means do you oppose them? So if you oppose them, you're right wing. Amazing. I love when I love when the leftists are like, please provide any evidence that Tim Pool has ever defended progressive taxes, universal health care, LGBTQ rights. And I'm like, they don't watch my videos. They don't. And so they'll look at a title and it'll say, like, you know, Trump does X. They'll be like, aha, he's supporting Trump for stating that Trump did a thing or criticizing Democrats on certain policies means I don't support certain political. It's, it's complete garbage. Communications is the tool. Now, why would they say someone like me is right wing? Because they don't want default liberal types to listen to what I or you have to say. Right wing bad, conservative bad. He's a grifter. Don't listen to him because they want them in the cult. How do you keep someone in the cult? Separate them from communication. What happens if there is a prominent liberal personality who comes out and says, guys, stop. They immediately say they're right wing. There has been. Look at Jon Stewart. Look at Bill Maher. Look at Dave Chappelle. 
They can come out and say, stop with this. And they say, you threaten us. And so then they call them right wing. And then these these run of the mill leftist liberal types who are scared and just want to be, be, be told what to do will be like, I'm not going to listen to any right wing person. I've seen it. It's really funny. A bunch of people will say, like, I tried talking to my friend, my dad, my mom, my cousin, and they say that Tim Pool is just a right wing, you know, uh, pundit. So why should they even listen to him? And they're like, if you haven't listened to him, then what makes you think he's right wing? I'm like, well, he 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 doesn't agree with our with the narrative that I I get from CNN. Maybe you should come and watch my channel. It's funny when I get criticized for using NewsGuard. Even I use NewsGuard on purpose, even though it's got like Michael Hayden involved in Microsoft, Bill Gates. I use it on purpose for that reason. Look at this. This story. Protesters arrested. Yes, my opinions are based on their news. Now, of course, I have to fact check a lot of it. And I'll also cite Project Veritas, even though they claim it's fake news. Yeah. They play dirty games. They want to wrap up everyone in a singular narrative. And if someone challenges that narrative of control, they will do everything in the power to smear everyone else. That's the game. So, so I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Do not walk into their traps. Storming the Capitol it was dumb. It was never going to accomplish anything. And you walk into their traps. So what do you do? You speak up. You mock. You belittle. But you don't insult the individuals. Don't tell your coworker they're a, they're a moron. If a coworker brings up some idea, just start laughing and then make fun of Kimberly Crenshaw, Derek Bell, or you know Ibram Kendi. I'm sorry, Henry Rogers is his name. Make fun of those. I think it's I think I think that's his name. Make fun of those people. Like oh that idea from those weirdo crackpots. Like man that 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 Crenshaw woman was was so insane. You know and, and Derek Bell to advocate for Plessy v Ferguson. Like you can't be serious with that stuff. These people, man, aren't they crazy? And then that's all you say. And be like, oh, I don't know. I just thought racism was bad. Yeah, no joke. Derek Bell argued in favor of separate but equal. What? A, what? A, he's a nut. But that's what they're into. That's what they're after. Peaceful, persuasive, and resourceful. Those are the keys to victory. I don't know what's going to happen with Bannon, but uh, um, bravo, good sir, for standing up for your rights. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. <laughs>